Well, today we're starting a new series entitled My Name Is. And I almost asked the guys to put me the track of Eminem, but you know, you know, uh, I don't want to lose members in this series, so. <laughs> so I said, put, all right, we'll do another day, another day. But reason why, reason why we, we picked this name, this name is because it's because of the occasion, the occasion. We are in November. November for us uh, is, a big, is a big month for us as a church and even us as families. Um, why? Because, uh, because of one of the highlights in November, which is Thanksgiving Day. And uh, Thanksgiving Day is that time of the year when families come together. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, we have, I, I have a big family. I have 11 brothers and sisters. Um, and we have in-laws and, 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 and nieces and nephews and cousins and whatnot. And every year, every year, the family expands. Every year, the family expands. And so every time we come together, we either get to see people we haven't seen in a long time or we meet people for the first time that we haven't met um, throughout the course. Like, for instance, my, my, my youngest sister just had a baby. She had a baby a couple of months ago. So now that we have a new addition. My daughter in February is going to have a baby. We're going to have another. So every year we're just expanding and meeting new people. But, if, but, but, but I don't know about you, but in every family, there's always that auntie, uncle, cousin that y'all talk about the entire year and you don't know them physically. And it ain't until you come to a public family gathering and be like, this is the guy I was telling you. That's her. That's, this is Maria, but in the, you know, Maria, you're like, Maria who? Maria la bochinchera. Oh, Maria, yeah. Everybody has, everybody has that family member that has drama. Everybody has that family member that nobody really knows. You know, those, those, those uncles that are always quiet and you never hear them talk and they're always by themselves in the corner. There's always those types of people in every family. And, 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 and some family members are great. Some family members, some family members we hadn't seen in 20 years, like a cousin I haven't seen him in 20 years. And all of a sudden, 20 years later, he's a doctor, he's like the vice president, he's winning the world, he's an astronaut. Oh my God, this guy, I remember we were small, we used to play marbles in the corner, and now look at you flying to outer space. It's crazy. So family gatherings and moments like Thanksgiving is a place where we could reunite, come together, and even see family members we hadn't seen in a long time. And so just like we do on a month like today, I told the team, I want to take that same concept of meeting new people or people that we haven't seen or people that we haven't heard of, but see them through the lens of scripture. Because many of us only know the same people in the Bible. We know Jesus, we know Mary, we know Peter, we know John, we know John the Baptist. We know the prophet Elijah, but there's a lot of family members in the Bible that some of us don't know. That we, we don't even know they exist in the Bible. And so this sermon series is designed to introduce you, church family, to family members in the Bible that many of us may not know. So today, allow me to introduce to you to a man in the Bible by the name of Onan. O-N-A-N. Onan. And if you name your son Onan, let me just tell you, you don't love your son. <laughs> That's such an ugly name. But Onan. Onan. 
I don't know about you, when I, when I introduce family members to other family members or friends to family members, I'm like, look, this is, this is John, right? But this is John. His father is so-and-so, and I met him in 1989. And so there's always a backdrop before you meet the person or I introduce you to the person. So allow me to do that today. So this, out, this entire series, before I talk about the person, I'm going to talk about who his dad is, who his mom is, where they come from. So you can understand the person we're going to talk about every Sunday for the next few weeks. So who is Onan? Onan is the son of a man named Judah. And Judah is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Who happens to be the 12 tribes of Israel. It is out of Judah's descendants. It is out of Judah's lineage that the worshipers and the praisers come from. It is from the, it is from the tribe of Judah. So Onan's father, his name is Judah, who by the way, he happens to marry a Canaanite woman. And as a result of these two guys come together, Judah and the Canaanite woman, they have three children. The name of the first son was Er, letter E, letter R. If you name Onan, your, if you name your son Onan, you don't love your son. If you name your son Er, you hate your son. Er, who the heck? It's like he forgot to put the whole, the whole word on the paper. E R. Who who called the son E R? Anyway, Er was the name of the firstborn son. Who, by the way, Er marries a woman by the name of. Tamar, who later has a sexual relationship with her father-in-law. This is one of those families, yo, remember this guy? Yo, this guy is crazy. He had this with his auntie and his auntie shack with his cousin. This, this is a story. I'm introducing you to drama here right now. So you have a guy named Er who is married to Tamar, who ultimately she, met, she has a sexual relation with her father-in-law Judah. And this name Ur means, I, I, listen, I, I went in the, I went in the, in the lexicon, and this is the definition I got. It says, a wild ass, let me translate that, a wild donkey, a bouncy kid, to not be watchful, to be aroused. So that's the definition now, now, my question is, how is it that a praiser can call his son? <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I understand. So he has, his first son, first son's name is Onan. His second son's name, I'm sorry, his first, first name son is Ur. His second son's name is Onan, which means to have vigor, to experience vigor. And then his third Son's name is Shalah, which I won't explain now for lack of time. So he has three sons. Okay, so we're going to talk about Onan. Onan's father is Judah, married to a Canaanite woman. And, and, and Judah has three children. And Onan means, his name means vigor. What is vigor? What does it mean to be full of vigor? It's to be tenacious. It's to take challenges head on and unafraid, move forward. His name, Onan, speaks 
volumes of his character. Because back in the times of the Bible, listen, back in the times of the Bible, sometimes they would name the babies before they were born, like Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. When Mary was expelled to Joseph, the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall heal his name. Right, right? And then there are other times when people were named during birth. But then there are other times where parents will name their children after they were born. Why? Because the names of the children were designed and connected to either their character or their destiny. When it was names designed with destiny, they were the names were given beforehand. When it was a name designed to their character, the child had to grow. So some, some kids in the Bible, their name was not given to them until maybe six months, seven months later. So depending on the character of the child, that's the name they would give him. And Onan means to be a vigor. His name represents to be courageous. Isn't this crazy? How God equipped Onan with the name that means to have the necessary vigor to confront whatever comes his way. He gave him a name that would tell him nothing can stop. He gave him a name that meant you can take everything and you can keep on going and nothing will hold you back. You have the power to overcome. Sometimes you can have the right name. Live in the right house. Your father's name is praise. Have the right praise. Be in the right setting and still. I was going to say Jacob. And still mess up. And still miss the mark. Now, 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 let me talk to you about Onan because Onan, the Bible says, he was the middle son. He was the second of three sons. And in psychology, there's this thing called the middle child syndrome, which I believe affected Onan in becoming the person God had called him to be. Now, if you have, if you have a second, if you have three children, like I got three kids, right? You got three kids. That last kid usually gets away with everything. The first one, got, he pays for everything. You learn how to be a parent with him. He gets in the most cocotazos. He gets, you know, he gets in trouble the most. He's always on a corner somewhere. Right, right, right. The last one gets everything. The middle one, you're too busy trying to get the, the first one right that the middle one tends to slip in between the crowd. And that's the one that usually operates in the middle child syndrome and these are some of the, sin, the, the the symptoms of this middle child one he tends to feel unworthy he he would rather be the first one to get hit all the time because at least he's getting attention he feels unworthy sometimes he feels frustrated he may exhibit attention-seeking behavior he'll actually get in trouble on purpose just so you can rebuke him and touch him May develop trust issues. Doesn't trust nobody. May view, may view his siblings as rivals instead of his brothers. So this is the context. We're talking about Onan. His father prays. His mother, a Canaanite woman, the promised land. He has a son by the name, her brother by the name of Ur, which means a donkey. And then his name is Onan, which means to be full of vigor. Now, in light of that backdrop, Let's read his story. Genesis chapter 38 verses 1 through 10 says, At that time, Judah, or praise, left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hirah. 
There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. Listen to me. And it says, he married her and he made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur, which means a wild donkey. And she conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan, which means much vigor. And she gave birth to still another son and named his name Shalah. It was at Kazib that she gave birth to him. And Judah, the father got a wife for the eldest son, Ur, and, he named, and her name was Tamar. Tamar, free, Tamar means free market. Hoochie hoochie, okay? He got a wife for his oldest son, Ur, and he named her, and her name was Tamar. But listen to this. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, the second son, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. Oh God. Check this out. He knew that it would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring to his brother. Oh God, have mercy. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death as well. If Onan were here today, what would he tell us? I'm introducing you to a guy who lived in the right house, under the right father, in the right environment. Everything was set, his name, vigor, Conquer until everything was set for him to win. Yet God, this is Old Testament theology, yet God took his life away. Having the right environment, living in the best environment, God takes his life away. So the question is, what can we learn from Onan? Onan teaches us, my number one, my first point. Onan teaches us. That pleasure without commitment does not honor God. Onan, listen to me, Onan enjoyed the pleasure of having intercourse with his brother's wife. Listen to me. But he didn't want the responsibility of giving her a child. He wanted pleasure. But he did not want to fulfill his duty because it was tradition that if the oldest son were to die and he had no children, it is the job of the second son to give his wife or his widow children so that his brother's lineage could continue. But I believe that Onan was living in the syndrome of the middle son. Why? Because Onan was more concerned of himself than honoring, than honoring Tamar with an offspring. And you may say, well, Pastor, well, you know, that don't apply today because I, I, if I even think about shacking with another woman, my wife is going to kill me. No, no, time out. Chill. 
This thing happens also in the spiritual context as well. How many times don't we do the same? We love the pleasure of coming to church and feeling his presence. We love the, pre the pleasure of the songs and the environment and the clapping and my hairs got up and I cried in the middle of service and the Holy Spirit touched me. We love the pleasure of the service yet we don't want to commit to the church. I go to church every Sunday, sit in my corner, do my thing, clap my hands, stop my feet, make me feel good, give me a word, encourage me for the next six days. But I don't want to give anything in the church. I just come to receive pleasure, enjoyment, and I don't want to give absolutely nothing. We love the feeling we get, but we don't like to commit. We don't like to give. We don't like to work. We don't like to evangelize. We don't like to grow in our walk with God. You know how many of us, how many people in the body of Christ love the presence of God but don't grow in his presence? You've been in church 10, 15, 20, 30 years and you're still at the same kindergarten level. And you're still there and you don't grow and you don't excel and you don't want to be better and you don't want to see God more and you don't want to know his word and you don't want to know the knowledge that God has for you. You're just coming for the enjoyment of his presence. We come for the enjoyment of his word. We like when God speaks to us and we like when they pray over us and we like when they minister unto us. But let me tell you, pleasure without commitment always dishonors God. So Onan is teaching us today it's good to enjoy, but it's also good to commit. Onan, number two. Onan teaches us to honor those God has placed before you. Onan did not want to honor his older brother. He didn't want to honor him. He didn't want to give him a child. Let me tell you something. You are not the sum total of who you are. I am the conglomeration of many, many pastors and leaders before me that built me, that invested in me, and that made me the man I am today. I cannot stand up on this pulpit and say I am here because of who I am. I am nothing. Listen to me. If it had not been for the pastors that taught me, that raised me, if it had not been for elder spiritual brothers that took me by the hand, how dare me now stand up on a pulpit and say I don't need to commit to him. Listen to me, church. God is teaching us today that if you want to see God's favor in your life, we need to learn how to honor those who come before us, church. What Odin does, verse 9. But Odin knew. Odin knew that the child will not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy your body. The Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I hope you're making the, the, the right allegorical connections. I'm going to enjoy your body, but I'm not going to give you any seed. I'm going to enjoy your body, but I'm not going to commit to you. Uh -uh. I'm going to take, uh, I, 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 as a matter of fact, I'm going to prostitute you, Tamar. Because, by the way, you mean, you mean an open market. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use you. And I'm just going to see you as a way to satisfy and release, but I will not deposit and invest. Many of us. Like Onan, we do not commit all the way. Because many of us, unfortunately, think like Onan. We say, what? Me get involved in church? What am I going to get out of? 
me go crazy serving in the church and do this and be under somebody else and serve under somebody in leadership and authority uh, well, what am I going to get so you know what I know I can sing I'm not singing I know I can teach I ain't teaching I know I got skills I ain't going to when God opens the door for me then I'm going to sing and then I'm going to preach and then I'm going to you know what's going to happen you will never get see God open the door because you've got to lay a foundation for others so that God can do and turn the same for you so as a result, we enjoy the benefits of being satisfied with the thing. But when commitment kicks in, we say, nah, this ain't for me. I'll enjoy church, but don't ask me to give an offer. I'll enjoy church, but the whole group, get out of here. I, I want to feel his presence, but, but, but get involved, that's not for me. This happens, church. This happens in the church as well. We opt not to commit all the way, but we want to stay long enough that we can benefit from the church. We can benefit from people. We can benefit from friends. And we're just in that relationship. Call it platonic. Call it marital. We're just in that relationship to see how much we can get and not give nothing. We love the exposure. We love the platform. But because it's not ours, we tend to spill our semen on the ground and say, I ain't going to do it. Listen, Richard, this, this is what Onan is teaching us. He's teaching us that you could be a great praiser. You could come from a great lineage of praise. You could be a great worshiper. But you got to connect that with investing what God has given in your life. Here's another thing that Onan teaches us. Point number three. Onan teaches us that God doesn't honor a selfish spirit. God does not honor a selfish spirit. Onan's action left him with no children, with no inheritance, with no legacy, and left him with nothing. Now bear in mind, he was thinking, I ain't going to give my brother no inheritance. I ain't going to give my brother no legacy. I ain't going to give my brother no children. I ain't going to give my brother nothing. But because he, that's what he sowed, that's exactly what he reaped. He thought that by not sowing his seed, he would be better off. But in the end, in the end, this is my, my pastora, my pastor in New York, would always say, Gabby, el tiempo de la time will tell. But in the end, he ended up dead. He ended up unable to produce he ended up with no descendants and all we have is the memory of a man who had the vigor to provide for his brother and provide for himself but he was so into himself that he stood with nothing listen to me church if you don't sow you're not gonna reap this is why the bible tells us Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10. He says, now he supplied seed to the sower. And bread for food will also supply and increase the store of seed. And you enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. What is Paul telling us? God ain't going to give us seed if we're not going to do nothing with it. So the question is, what are you going to do with your talent? What are you going to do with your gift? What are you going to do with the opportunities that God has given you? He says, I've given it to you to do the same to others. So if God gave you seed church, sow 
now with all of your heart and stop focusing on is it for me and when I'm going to get a plaque and when they're going to recognize me and when I'm going to get accolades and when I'm going to get praises and when I no 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 your job and my job is just to sow honor those before us sow right now so that when God's time comes in our life we can hear from the Lord tell us good and faithful servant you were faithful in the little I will put you in much Church, do not throw your seed away. Church, get over yourself and serve others. Get over yourself. If Onan was standing here right now, he would tell Newberg, Newberg, don't do what I did, man. I got so stuck in being the middle child and living under the syndrome of the middle son spirit. I got so caught up in, it's not fair. I got so caught up, you don't know what they did to me. I got so caught up in, I bendito, that he never became nothing. Don't let the excuses of your past. Because let me tell you, excuses is like a belly button. Everybody got one. You have more than enough excuses to say, I ain't going to do nothing. Oh, yeah, you do. But let me tell you. Your excuses cannot be the antidote for your frustration. You cannot let your excuses paralyze you in becoming the person God has called you to be. You've been called to be a man of vigor. You've been called to be courageous. God has put in you the capacity to help your elder brother and simultaneously establish a legacy for yourself. Listen to me. He was too busy. Enjoying himself that he never fell in love. Because look what the Bible says. You got to read it. You, you know, you got to read it. Look what it says. The Bible says that Jacob, that Judah, I got to read the scripture real quick. He says, he married her and made love to her. This, he married her implies he made a commitment. Made love to her, he had sexual relationship. It's a twofold commitment. Onan, no, I, I, I just want I just want to make love to her. I just, I just want her to satisfy me. But there was no commitment. And he was too busy using Tamar as a free market. That he never had the time to find a woman and fall in love and commit. He was living as if he was, but he wasn't. And so God is challenging us today. And Onan is telling us, let's not do what I did. Let's not live how I lived. Let me tell you, my kids... My kids, you know the blessing my kids have? The biggest blessings my kids have is me. Because they don't, they have not lived what I've lived. Because I made sure that they don't experience what I've experienced. So I, their greatest gift is not money, it's not a house, it's me. Because everything I went through I had more than enough reasons 
to pass it on to them. Oh. But I said, I, I got to break this thing. I got to break this curse. I could have lived in the syndrome of the middle child. Oh my God, not fair. Oh my God, you know that to me. Oh my God, you know what they said. I could have lived that and perpetuated that into my offspring. But somebody's got to say, I'm going to break the curse. I got the vigor to overcome that. And I got the vigor to become who God called me to be. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to soak a seed and I'm going to honor God and I'm going to trust the Lord. And when it's his time, he will make a way out of no way and he will get the glory because the glory only belongs to him. What would happen if we learn from Odin by not doing what he did? He had everything. He had the father's name. He lived in a he lived in a worship home. He was part of the twelve tribes. His name. Yeah, he messed up. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, you have God the Holy Spirit, you have his church, you have the brethren, you have purpose, you have God's, Jeremiah 29, 11, plans, good plans the Lord has for you. And now, what are we going to do? Listen, Christianity is not about feelings. Christianity is not about feeling good. You know what Jesus said? You know what Jesus If anybody wants to be my disciple, what he does, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. We think the coming of Jesus is, whoo, I'm walking high water, I'm a walk, I'm a chill. No, 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 no. In this thing, you got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And if, and if you're carrying the cross, somebody's going to die. And it ain't Jesus. He already did that. So it's you. So this is why Onan, Onan needed to die to himself and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to take this satisfaction and I'm going to sow it into my brother's legacy. I'm going to take this feeling and I'm going to sow it in giving my brother a legacy. But he opted to paralyze the future of his brother. He opted to cut his lineage. Because he was thinking about himself. To only end up with nothing. But a story in the Bible that tells us a man who had the potential and the vigor to change the course of his brother's life. Ended up with nothing. And so today he stands here and he tells us, don't be like me. Don't be like me. Learn from my mistakes. Like that uncle that we have, he, he just came out of jail. Hey, son, listen, listen, look at here. Don't do what I did, son. Let's learn. Onan is preaching to us today. I want to be like Peter. No, no, let's, let's learn from Onan first. I want to be like Jesus. Let's learn from Onan first. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. If you're here, friend, and you do not have Jesus in your heart, today I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord and the master of your life. He wants to enter in. He wants to give you the capacity to become the person he has called you to be.
but it all comes down to you making the decision. Am I going to keep living my life based on how I feel, my own pleasures and my desires, or am I going to lay that down at the feet of my older brother, Jesus Christ? So if you want Jesus, not religion, Jesus, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand to the sky like a rocket, and I want to pray with and for you. So every eye closed and every head bowed. I don't care if you've been in church all your life or you've been to church for the first time today. If you know in your heart that you need Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And I don't want you to be the second one to raise the third. Let me see who raises first. No, this is you and God. Raise your hand and we want to pray. All over the room, every eye closed, every head bowed. At the count of three, here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand if you want Jesus. Lift your hand if you want Jesus. If you want Jesus. I see one hand. I see two hands. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Come on, put those hands together. Come on, slap those hands in the sanctuary. Come on. So here's what we do. Whenever someone gets saved, here's what we do as a church. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead, if I believe and confess that I am saved. The Bible also says that if I confess him before men, he will confess me before the Father that's in heaven. So there's something happens when you open your mouth and you confess and you declare and you verbally express your faith to God through this prayer. So I want you to repeat this, this prayer with me loud and proud. And church, you know our custom. When someone's going to get saved, we pray them in. So everybody's going to repeat this prayer with me. The two of you that raise your hand, repeat after me with the church. Say, dear Jesus, I heard your word. And I believe that you are God. And you have a plan for my life. I receive Jesus as my God, as my Savior, and as my King. Wash me. And clean me with the blood of Jesus write my name in the book of life and seal me with your Holy Spirit I believe you died for me and I commit to live for you for the rest of my life I thank you because I am saved in Jesus name Amen